This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode five of the Fire Dog Podcast. Our topic of discussion today is on bridging the gap between active duty and guard reserve firefighters. We spend a lot of time together, both in garrison on deployments. What can each of us do to improve our working relationship? Our guest today is joining us from Dover, Pennsylvania. He served seven years as an active duty firefighter. He's a member of the Maryland Air National Guard, and he currently serves as a firefighter at the U.S. Army Garrison Carlisle Barracks Fire Department in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which is home to the U.S. Army War College. Please welcome Matt Porka. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Matt and I go way back. We were stationed at Tyndall together. We actually live next door to each other. We were neighbors at one point. Anyways, we'll get into some questions here, Matt. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where do you work now? So originally, I'm from Apollo, Pennsylvania. It's a small little town northeast of Pittsburgh. Currently, I live in Dover, Pennsylvania. A lot of people confuse it with Dover, Delaware, but there's a town in Pennsylvania called Dover. I was active duty for seven years. After getting out, I went to the Air Force Reserves for two years. And my reserve unit closed down, and that's when I transitioned to the Air National Guard, which is where I've been since 2015. After I got out of the military, I started working for a civilian fire department in uh, Maryland, uh, a county department. And after working there for about three years, I went back into the federal system as a federal civilian firefighter. And that's what I've been doing since. I've been here at Carlisle since about 2016. And I'm coming up on four years here in a few short months. That's a little bit about me. Yeah. Awesome. So you served seven years active duty. I did, yes. So what what made you want to transition over? So when I joined the military, uh, I came in as a firefighter. Because that's what I wanted to do. My end goal joining was to get the training and experience and then transition into a civilian fire career, which I did eventually. After uh, coming up on my first enlistment, I didn't have anything to go to. I didn't have uh, any jobs lined up or any leads on anything. So I decided to re-enlist for another four years. So after re-enlisting, that's when I got the orders down to Florida. I made it a goal of mine by the end of my second enlistment, which would have put me at eight years, to transition from active military into a civilian career. I actually transitioned a little bit earlier than I wanted. For those that may not realize, if you get a set of orders to somewhere and you deny them, they force you out. Or I should say, I wouldn't say they force you out. They actually, it makes you ineligible to re-enlist. And I had done that. And during that time time after that I had denied the orders, that's whenever they were forcing a lot of people out for all kinds of reasons. So in the big picture, I had a code that said I couldn't re-enlist. It wasn't like a negative thing. But it just says in the, in the in the big system that I couldn't re-enlist. So they pushed my date of separation up by like a year and a half. And it was actually right after my daughter was born, I came off paternity leave in March. 
And when I got back to work, that's when they told me, hey, your data separation has been moved up, You're getting out at the end of May. <laughs> it was a shocker, uh, to say the least. But at the time, I was going through a hiring process for county of the department that I eventually got hired at. But when I did get out, I still didn't have a job to walk into. Luckily, though, I was able, uh, I got a phone call about a month later that said I got hired. So you know, I consider myself lucky, to say the least, that I was able to do that. So what's some advice you can give people? So you, you kind of, sounds like you were taken by surprise. They were like, hey, see you later. Thanks for playing. Wh- wh- actually, where did you have orders to? Kadena. Oh, okay. And you and the wife didn't want to go that route, huh? You had plans already to kind of get out and do that anyways, right? I did. So I, I think for me, it was if I took the orders, then I was going to be a lifer. And while that wouldn't have been a bad decision whatsoever, ultimately, it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a civilian firefighter somewhere. So I made the decision to just deny the orders, knowing full well that it would make me ineligible to reenlist. But you know, I was going after that goal of mine that I wanted. You're right there at that threshold. I've heard people say before, 10 years, if you stay in longer than 10 years, you might as well do the, you know, fin- cross the finish line for the 20. So you, I think you got out right at the right time. Absolutely. Uh, so what's some, what's some advice you can give people? You said you were kind of taken by surprise. You come off paternity leave and they're telling you, Hey, see you later. Some advice you can give. It sounds like you were set up for success or you were already kind of preparing what can people do that they, maybe they plan on getting out and they need to prepare for getting kicked out a little bit earlier than they thought? Because you were you were sitting around with without a, an official job offer, actual job, right? Right. Yeah. So what can people do to prepare for that moment? I guess I would say if you have the means to do it, you know, depending on what your goal is, you know, if you want to be a federal firefighter or work for regular municipal department, uh, you have the means to do it. You know, go take as many tests, and I guess by tests, I mean civil service exams or fire departments that you would like to work at. Or if you're trying to get back to a certain area, you know, for me, I was trying to get back closer to home. And whenever I saw this job posting for down in Maryland, I said, you know, that's that's pretty close to home. Uh, It's only about three or four hours. But if you have the means to do it, you know, take as many tests as you can, go for the interviews, mentally and physically prepare yourself because a lot of the civilian departments are you to do the CPAT test, which is the, uh, it's just a physical agility test. And, uh, you know, go for it. That's really all I can say. You know, take, take that leap. Don't be afraid to follow your dreams, if you will. That's what I did. You know, I, I knew that even though I was getting out, I was still going to continue my time in the in the reserves or the guard just to keep that time going. I gave seven years active duty. I might as well stick it out for another 13 part-time and get something out of it. So Yeah, I'd say you made a good choice. What, what was that like, that transition from, from active duty to guard or even active duty to civilian life? I, I mean, you have a little bit of life experiences prior to active duty, but you know, it's kind of a shocker I've heard. It can be. It's definitely a little bit of a culture shock. I, I would say I would say the transition at first into civilian life was wasn't too bad. I was jobless for about two months until I actually started the fire academy. 
So I didn't have that sort of regiment that people think of when it comes to the military. There's definitely a lot of differences in the way active and reserve and guard personnel operate. Yeah, that, that kind of brings us into my next point. So I think most of our listeners have a general idea of the differences that you talk about between active duty guard and reserve, or at least they think they know what the differences are. So considering you've done both, that you've done time with both, can you explain just a few of those differences? Maybe what are some strengths and weaknesses of each? Would you stick with guard versus active duty, I guess? Sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, when I was active duty, we, you know, we, we had training requirements, you know, every month we had to do a certain amount of training and, and annually we had to do certain things, you know, like we had to have our live fire burns, structural and aircraft. But one of those differences between the two is like active duty is there all the time. So they have a year to complete all this stuff. You know, you guys work shift work. And you have that time in the guard. We have those same training requirements. We still have to complete X amount of training, same as you guys. However, we have two days a month to complete that. Now, we do take what we call uh, deployments for training or DFTs. We take, you know, that's when we, like, when you hear the whole one week and a month, two weeks a year, that two weeks a year is when we accomplish our live fire training. And, and really we, we, we go to all sorts of different places to, to do that. But, you know, the, the, like training wise, those are just, a, you know, a couple differences between, between the two. Yeah. I've always thought about that. I mean, one weekend a month, we have so much to do with training and active duty. I mean, every day is seems, seems to be consumed with, which, there's a lot of day-to-day tasks that we have to deal with, obviously, but training, it takes a lot to accomplish that. I, I don't know how you do that in one weekend. And you know, those CBTs that we all love to do every single year, we have to do those same CBTs in the guard uh, and the reserves, you know, when I was in the reserves as well. So you just show up and you knock out a bunch of CBTs, huh? Sometimes, yes. They have to get done. You know, it's it's a requirement. Unfortunately, we have to do it, so. In that sense, we share we share the same struggles as you guys do because nobody likes to do those CBTs. Yeah, I can I can empathize with you a little bit there. Yeah, at least we have a whole year to do them versus two days once a month. So, so what are some strengths of the guard? I mean, compared to active duty, what are some strengths? I would say my current guard fire department about ninety eight percent of our personnel are career firefighters somewhere be it federal, county, or city. We're firefighters somewhere. And everybody brings a different level of experience. I would say primarily structural experience. We do have a few guys who are airport firefighters at like major airports. So we do have some guys who are exposed to the crash side more than others. But when it comes to structural firefighting, I mean, I work with some of the smartest individuals I've ever met in my career. We've got battalion chiefs, captains, lieutenants for big departments, uh, guys who drive some of the busiest fire engines in the nation. You know, so we have a very large wealth of knowledge and experience in our department. When it comes to aircraft firefighting, I'm not going to say that we don't have experience because we do, but we aren't 
as exposed to it as much as active duty is. You know, we have A-10s at our base, and that's what we're really good with. We're really good with the A-10 aircraft. However, we don't get a lot of transient aircraft in there. And even when we do, you know, it could be during the week or it could be that within that month time frame that we're not there until we, you know, till the next drill weekend. So sometimes we look to the active duty side saying, okay, you guys are familiar with this aircraft. Us, not so much. You know, what can you teach us? Yeah, so you, uh, a lot of experience in the Guard, clearly. Battalion chiefs, captains, guys that work in the cities or in Maryland or Pennsylvania, in your case. Uh, so, you know, as you know and have experienced active duty, Guard, Reserve, firefighters, we always have the opportunity to work and deploy with each other. Um, you know, we got some Reserve firefighters here at Langley just last year to, to kind of augment us during deployment. So what are some things active duty or civilian firefighters assigned to active duty bases can do to improve the working relationship with guard and reserve firefighters? So I can comfortably say this because I've been on both sides now, active and guard. When I was active duty, I looked at guard and reserve firefighters and I just thought to myself, look at these guys, these weekend warriors, you know, it's just that, uh, you know, stigma that they have, if you will. What stigma is that? That they're just weekend warriors. You know, they do this two days a month. Yeah. They, they don't get the active duty side of it, you know, but now, now that I'm on the other side, you know, I, I have a completely different picture. Again, you know, just some of the people that I work with are so incredibly intelligent and have the experience and the knowledge to back it up. You know, um, I don't, I, I definitely don't look at it that way anymore. Yeah, you probably have a little bit different opinion on active duty now, not that you, you stepped across the threshold and you're looking from the other side. Absolutely. Collectively, we're pretty young, you know, but I think everybody adds value of some kind. Everybody comes from a different background. You know, the, the value that the guard guys add is obviously experience and a little bit of life experience and firefighting experience. And for us, maybe Absolutely. in the active duty, it, collectively, we're young. And so there's a lot of excitement and drive and ambition that we can bring Absolutely. to the table with that youth. So what, how about, how about guard? I mean, if there's some guard reserve firefighters listening to this, what, what are some things they can do maybe to, to improve a relationship between active duty and guard reserve? No, I feel like, sure. I feel like, you know, regardless whether you're active or reserve guard, you know, we all have one mission, save lives, protect property. And that's what we have to focus on. Sure. There's going to be some people with, not as much experience and there's going to be some people with just an abundant amount of experience. We just have to make sure that we're sharing that knowledge and that experience with the guys who may not have it. And the people who don't have the experience need to step out of their comfort zone and find those guys to gain that knowledge, you know, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. My opinion, no question is a dumb question when it comes to this job. You know, we have to, we all have to be humble because at any point in time, this job could take your life. Yeah. Humility seems to be a common theme in our episodes. I, I talked about it on our last episode, episode four, talked about it in episode two with Eric Barlow. I mean, 
if everybody can learn and apply humility, uh, we'd be so much better collectively. And I think there's a lot of people out there that do. There's some people that maybe could work on it. But so uh, as you're talking, I thought of another question. That, do you guys run any calls on your Air National Guard base there in Maryland? Are, are you? Yeah. yeah, you do. You fit you fit in with the, the base firefighters? Absolutely. So it's a uh, it's a state run organization. So it's a state fire department. And uh, some of the members are members of the guard as well. But when on drill weekends, you know, we man the apparatus, you know, while we're there during the daytime, they actually have a mutual aid agreement with the county fire department. So the potential to actually run calls while we're there exists. I've ran a few car crashes right off post. A few weekends ago, there was a, uh, some, some, I think there was a building fire of some sort, you know, off base, but you know, they got called to it. So that potential for actually doing the job while we're on drill weekend exists. And, uh, kind of gives you a little bit of excitement, you know, knowing, going in there, knowing that, you know, you can see some work while, while you're there. Yeah. You get to step away from your CBTs and actually do something. So there, there's probably listeners that are interested in joining the reserve or guard. And I know that I've had firefighters within the departments I've been at that have wanted to make that transition. Obviously I knew you, you made that transition. I got some guys now that work with me that want to do it. So what's some advice you can give the listeners who may be interested in transitioning to the reserve or to the guard? So don't be afraid to do it. It's not as bad as what people might make it out to be. There can be times where it can be a little trying, just either it's a long day and you're sitting at a computer doing CBTs or you're doing hands-on training, which is all right with me. I could do that all day long, but it's, it's, it's definitely a different world, if you will, when it comes to active and guard. I always like to, uh, Think of the comparison where some people say in active duty, you know, you say, oh, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, and they're like, oh, hello, Airman so-and-so. And then the guard side, it's like, oh, hey, Bob, hey, Jim. That's not necessarily the case. But it is a little bit of a culture shock because it is different. So what about certifications? If if a guy or gal trying to set themselves up for the Guard Reserve, are certifications similar? Do, does, do they transfer over? Is there something somebody can do maybe to set themselves apart or... Or certification wise, you know, we get the same, we have the opportunity to get the same certifications as active duty. A lot of guys who are civilian firefighters elsewhere, you know, they get their instructor, their inspectors, their officer certifications, you know, through their departments or through other organizations. You know, it may not be CDC based, but it's still all transferable certifications pro board certifications and you know, they're just as good as all the, uh, if sex certifications that we get. So as far as setting up for success, I mean, I'm required to be certified to a certain level if I want to promote and it's plain and simple. Yeah, man. I, I assume that was the answer. You know, I assume the certifications were pretty transferable, but I don't know if there was something I was missing, but Hey, what about fitness? Is uh, do you guys have to take physical fitness tests like we do in active duty? You have to do it once a year. Absolutely. So, right, we're required to do it once a year, and we're not. So, if I remember correctly, on active duty, and, and maybe it's changed, but if you guys like get below a ninety, is it you have to do it every six months? 
That's right. Yeah. Every six okay. months, one year, if you're above a 90. Sure. So guard side, even if you get below a 90, as long as you pass it, it's still required once a year or it's only required once a year. Yeah. And they're actually in, in our career field and in, in fire protection, this is probably on the active duty side, but they're, they're looking to do what they call a tier two fitness test where if you're a mass sergeant and below, you'll have to do a firefighter specific fitness test, kind of like the CPAP. I think it's different than that. It might be similar. I'm not sure. They're developing down in San Antonio right now. It, it'll probably, we'll probably see it by 2021, 2022 or so, but they're going to that pretty soon. I don't know if that's going to go over to the guard. I'm sure it will. I think things take, they take a little bit longer, but Matt, thanks for, so much for joining me today and sharing your experiences in the Air Force and some insight into the Guard. Hopefully this discussion and others like it can help to strengthen our relationship uh, between the Guard and active duty. We both have a lot to offer, and I think we're a, a lot more similar than we sometimes think. So do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, you know, just I don't think we're as different as some people might think we are. Uh, you know, again, we, we have to do all the same training same boring CBTs, but you know, at the end of the day, we all have one mission and that's just what we have to remember. But before I go, uh, I know that you guys are kind of footing the bill for this podcast and I would like to donate $20 to your cause. I like what you guys are doing. I think it's a good thing and I think people are going to learn a lot from it. So I would like to donate the next month's fees, whatever that may be to you guys to make, ensure that this podcast keeps going. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. We, we hope to add value to everybody too. And yeah, we are coming out of pocket. Uh, it is a private endeavor. So we appreciate anything we can get, man. I, I really do appreciate that, Matt. Absolutely. And I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you came on. So it was a pleasure talking to you. You too, Matt. It was great talking with Matt and getting his insight today. It's not too often active duty guard or reserve firefighters have conversations other than on deployments and sometimes when we see each other on training. Our intent here was to find common ground with all total force partners so that we can better understand each other. As Matt and I mentioned a few times during our discussion, we're likely much more similar than we think. I think something as simple as a conversation like we had can help provide perspective for both of us. There are many times throughout the episode I use the words guard and reserve interchangeably. As if they're the same thing, I realize there are differences that I may not completely understand. So please excuse my ignorance, but on that note, let us know if you'd like to come on and provide your perspective. I know there's a lot that Matt and I didn't cover and everyone has some kind of value to add. What's it like in the reserves if you're a reservist? What's it like at different guard locations? What can you share that would help people across the enterprise? After all, the intent of this podcast is to help Air Force firefighters across the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more content just like this regularly posted to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast. That's facebook.com forward slash the Fire D-A-W-G Podcast. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends and coworkers. And don't forget to rate this episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is host Matt Wilson and guest Matt Porca. Until next time, stay safe.